0: Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I would like to advise you to get uh, maybe a notepad and a and a pen, because we're going to do a study today, and it's going to be a teaching session. So I don't uh, think you will have enough time to go to all of the scriptures that I'm going to be sharing with you. Uh, That's why it's important that you jot them down, and then you have a look at them at your own private time with the Lord. I thank God for giving us this opportunity to study the subject of faith. And I, I want to encourage you to lay aside for just a few minutes that we're going to be together. Just lay down every thought of anxiety, every thought of oppression or depression or, or stress or distraction. I don't want you to be distracted at all because I want to share some important keys with you today in order to help your faith to become more productive, more fruitful, and to, and to enjoy the blessings that God has purchased for us through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you to lay aside every thought of anxiety, every worry. Don't, don't be distracted, at least for just these few minutes, as I share with you what I believe the Lord has put on my heart to share with you. I chose the subject of faith because the Bible says that without faith, It is impossible to please God. So I want to please God. And remember this, every inch of growth or development that we do in our Christian growth, it comes via faith. Everything that we receive from God comes via the channel of faith. That's the way God designed the system to work. And without faith, the Bible says, it is impossible to please God. In fact, The book of Romans says, whatever is not of faith, it's sin. So you can see how important it is to understand and to grasp the subject of faith that we're teaching about. So let's begin with our first scripture in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. 1 John chapter 5. And verse 4, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. So John tells us here that we have received from God world-overcoming faith. What does it mean to overcome the world? That means we overcome the systems of this world that produce fear, anxiety, stress, worry, and every diabolical thing that will come against us through the influence of this present world. God has given us as a gift His faith. And this faith, John says, overcomes the world. We are world overcomers because of the faith that we receive from God. And it's important to note that this faith that we receive from God when we got born again, it is the God kind of faith. It's not just natural faith. It's not human faith. It is the faith of God. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two. 22, the English translation is rather misleading here. The the New King James says, or the King James, Jesus is speaking here and teaching on the subject of faith. And he begins this way. Have faith in God. But that is not the correct translation. And I looked up the original Greek, the ancient Greek, and this is what it says. Have the faith of God. Or have the God kind of faith. The faith that we have received from God, remember Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? The faith that we have received by which we were saved is a gift of God. It is the gift of God. God deposited within us A measure of faith Romans 12 verse 2 says to each and every one of us there has been given a measure of faith that faith is the God kind of faith that faith it is the faith that moves mountains amen are you with me so it's not human it's not natural it is the God kind of faith now I want you to look at another verse of Scripture that's brought light and truth to my spirit as I was studying it. I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 10 the Apostle Paul is writing his epistle to the believers in Thessalonica. And among other things, he says this to them, We pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Please notice what he says. He says, I'm praying night and day because I want to see you face to face. The purpose of wanting to see you face to face is to supply that which is lacking in your faith. This statement is very important, so we need to understand what Paul is talking about here. Even though the faith we received is the God kind of faith, it requires development, it requires completion, and it requires instruction from the wisdom of God in order to bring it to maturity so that it can function at its maximum capacity, or that it can function the way that God designed it to function. So, it's important to understand that just because we have received the God kind of faith, That doesn't mean we have arrived. We're going to work with our faith. We need to develop our faith. And the Bible says Jesus is the author and the finisher or the perfecter of our faith. There are things that we need to add to our faith in order for it to become productive, fruitful and receive its maximum uh, results. And so we need to ask the question, especially if our faith is not working for us or producing the results it was intended to produce, we need to ask the question, what is lacking in my faith? This is a very important question. What is lacking in my faith? Where am I missing it? Why is my faith not enabling me or producing victory in this area of my life? Why am I still struggling with unbelief? Why am I still struggling with worry, with anxiety, with stress? Why am I still struggling with this this habitual sin that continues uh, to overcome me? Why is my faith not producing the results? that is expected to produce. And so we need to ask the question. We need to evaluate our faith from time to time and say, Lord, what is it that is lacking in my faith? Paul says, I want to see you so that I may supply that which is lacking in your faith. So what is lacking in my faith? Why am I not walking in victory in this area of my life? And if we're honest and sincere with the Lord, He will answer our prayer. Over the years that I have been in the Lord and teaching on the subject of faith is one of my favorite subjects. I enjoy teaching or meditating or studying the subject of faith because throughout the years I have seen the results that my faith produced in God. I have seen it over and over again. Wherever I cast my eyes around me, Everything that I see came via the avenue of faith. I appreciate the gift of God that has given to me, the faith of God that, that, that I have been walking on this journey for many years. And over the years, I have heard Christians, good-intending people, good people, good Christians, bad-mouth the teachings on faith. Not only the teachings on faith, as well as those who teach faith, calling them all sorts of names because their faith did not work for them. And I've heard this many times. Oh, this this teaching on faith doesn't work, Pastor. I've tried it. It doesn't work for me. Look, any teaching you take to the extreme, it will be harmful. That is why Paul said to the believers in Thessalonica, I want to come, And I want to supply that which is lacking in your faith. Now, the reason why they come with such statements criticizing the teaching or the subject of faith or the teachers of faith is because they would relate that statement to their own experiences where the faith has failed. And they base that statement or their theology or the belief on the failed experiences. Or... Perhaps the experience of someone else they know and their faith failed and so they come out with these statements that this this faith teaching, it doesn't work for me. I've tried it. Now, instead of asking God to show them what is lacking in the faith, they speak of things they do not know, nor, I believe, do they understand. I, I will give you an example not from me, but from one of the teachers that I've learned uh, the subject. I've learned how to operate in my faith, and I'm still growing. I haven't learned everything there is to know. But at least I've seen my faith producing the results that, I was, that I'm believing for. And I was listening to this man. I consider him as my spiritual father, not, not by association, but by teaching. He nurtured my spirit, he fed my faith, he instructed my faith. His name is Kenneth Hagan. And I was listening to his testimony how the Lord healed and delivered him from the bed of sickness. He was suffering from a blood uh, from an incurable disease in his blood. He had a deformed heart and he was paralyzed from the waist down. Doctors five doctors on the case gave him no hope whatsoever so he turned to the Lord and he found a scripture Mark 11:24, 24 that Jesus said therefore whatever you desire when you pray believe that you receive them and you shall have them and so he stood on that scripture he prayed but nothing happened He prayed, and afterwards he started feeling his body. Nothing happened, and then he had a conversation with the Spirit of God. I remember him relating this testimony, and he said to the Lord, Lord, if you tell me that I do not believe what I read, I would say you're a liar because I do believe. And Jesus said to him these words, you believe as far as you know. You believe as far as you know. And that was the key that unlocked his faith. Hagen's faith, as was revealed to him by the Spirit of God, lacked knowledge. Once he received insight and revelation concerning how faith works, he received his healing, he got out of bed, and he never went back to bed again. Now, his miraculous recovery was the result of receiving what was lacking in his faith. You see it. We also need to examine our faith and with the help of the Spirit establish those things which are lacking in our faith so that it may function the way God designed it to function. We're going to get into this. I'm going to give you three keys. Three keys so that your faith can become effective, productive, and fruitful. These keys are very important. Remember that the Bible says in the book of Romans that faith is a law. Faith works all the time, every time you put it to work. But the law of faith works in conjunction with other laws, not independently. That's how the kingdom of God works. For example, the Bible says that faith works by love. Now, if we do not walk in love, in forgiveness, our faith will not work. That's another key. But I won't go into that today. I'm going to go in three other keys which are so vitally important in order for our faith to be productive and fruitful the way God designed it to be for us. Now, God used his faith in order to create and establish the visible world and all that is in it. Do you agree with that statement? Well, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 tells us that. And You can look it up. Hebrews 11 and verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. That tells me that God used his faith to create and establish this physical, visible world that we see and we feel. And he did it out of something which you cannot see. What was that? That was the force of faith that was released through the word of God. But wait a minute. God didn't just use faith. It's important to note that. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19 and 20 says the following. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. And by his knowledge, the deeps broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. I want to read that verse again because it's so important. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. Please notice. God's faith was accompanied by wisdom, by understanding, and by knowledge. And this, I believe, is what is lacking most in believers' faith today. That's why the faith of many is not productive. It is not producing the results that God intended to produce because it lacks wisdom spiritual understanding and knowledge and i will explain what each one does we need to have all three of them operating together with the law of faith and you see often we try to exercise our faith without these and we fail so my teaching today is to help you understand these important keys what role they play and how they work together with our faith in order to produce maximum results. Let's look at, first of all, knowledge. Now, this knowledge we're talking about is not natural knowledge, is revelation knowledge. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. In other words, our faith cannot operate beyond the level of our knowledge we have from the Word of God. That's why Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed. Why? Why are they destroyed? Because Satan destroyed them? Because circumstances destroyed them? No. Because of a lack of knowledge. Our greatest enemy in our walk of faith is ignorance. Remember that. What you do not know can kill you, can destroy you. So our faith cannot operate beyond the boundaries of the level of our knowledge. The more we know from God, the more we know from the Word of God, the more we know God, the more our faith is able to operate and produce results. So knowledge of God will bring faith and confidence on the scene. Knowledge of God, knowledge of what he says, knowledge of what he wills, knowledge of what he promises you, will bring faith and confidence on the scene. You see, faith is not a struggle. Oh, Pastor, I'm trying to believe. No, 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 no. Don't try. You don't try to believe. You just believe. You just know. Faith always rests. I want you to remember that. How do I know that I believe God? Well, check your heart. Are you at rest? Are you at peace? Or are you anxious? Are you troubled? Are you worried? Are you doubtful? Then you're not in faith. Faith always rests. It's not a struggle to believe God once you know what He promises you. So knowledge of God's word or God's will brings faith and confidence on the scene. Therefore, we conclude that knowledge is the foundation of our faith. Knowledge is the foundation of our faith. Let's look at what John says. The Apostle John wrote in 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15, 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. I want to read that again. Very important. This is the confidence that we have in him and he's going to explain now why we have this confidence. This is our confidence. If we ask anything according to his will or word, he hears me. And if I know he hears me because I ask according to his will, whatever I ask, I know that I have it. I don't have to see it. I don't have to feel it to believe it. I believe I have it. I have the confidence that I have my petitions. Why? Because he says if you ask anything that it's in line or in accordance with my will, you have it. And I need to believe I have it before I receive it in the natural. That's the law of faith. Now, how do we know that God hears our petitions? That's important. How do we know that we have what we have asked of Him? Here it is. Because we know His will and because we have asked what is according to His will. That's why I say that the knowledge of the Word and the knowledge of God brings confidence and assurance and faith on the scene. You don't struggle to believe. You know. You know that you know that you know how can we know his will you know some folks say well out of ignorance i believe well you never know what god wills that's not true that's just a religious statement we ought to know the will of god because he made it known to us not only through the written word but also through his spirit how can we know his will by knowing what his word says his will is revealed in His Word, in the written Word of God. His will and His Word are one and the same. He does not say one thing and will another thing. God is not schizophrenic. He says what He means. He means what He says. If He said so in His Word, that is His will. Are you with me? So you can know His will. All you need to do is just study the Word. Open the Bible and read what is will. That's why it's called the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. He left us his New Testament. He left us his Spirit. He sent the Spirit within us in order to reveal to us what is written in his will. So we cannot have faith for anything God did not promise in his word. In other words, you can't exercise faith for what God did not promise you. Are you with me? That is why our faith needs to be accompanied by knowledge. This is why we need to study His Word diligently, reverently, systematically to find out what He wills. In every sphere of our lives. Because ignorance of his will brings destruction according to Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. It saddens my heart when we find excuses why we cannot spend time studying the word of God. It seems that other things are more important than than the will of the Lord, than the word of the Lord. And it saddens me and it saddens the Spirit of God because we seem to have time for everything else. But when it comes to systematically sitting down and studying the Word of God, we're too busy. May God deliver us from the distractions of this present world. That's why Jesus rebuked Martha. And said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. Just one. And Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. I love the Word of God. I love studying the Word of God. I love meditating in the Word of God. And I did that long before I became a minister of the gospel. I was running a business and it was a good business, and it was a busy supermarket, but I found the time, I made sure I found the time to study the Word of God. And so, you need to do the same, because there will come a time when, when, when you need to exercise your faith in order to overcome some of the things that are going on in your life. And believe me, if you wait until you enter the trial, sometimes it's too late. We've got to be prepared beforehand. Are you with me? Praise God. Now, that's knowledge. Key number one, knowledge. Our faith must be accompanied with knowledge. Number two, understanding. I'm talking about spiritual understanding, not just natural human understanding or logic. Understanding establishes, that's what the Word says. When we understand what the Word says about us, who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, what we can do in Christ, we become established in our faith. Spiritual understanding not only establishes us in our faith, but it also helps us to see things from God's perspective. You see, when you see things from God's perspective, everything becomes a light, and, 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 uh, and you begin to understand how God thinks. You, 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 you see it from God's angle, from God's point of view, from God's perspective, and it looks very different from the human perspective. And that's why Paul prays for the believers in every epistle almost. He says, I pray that you may be filled with spiritual understanding. And we need to pray the same. Spiritual understanding establishes our faith in the Word of God and helps us see things from God's point of view. So an established faith in God's Word is immovable, it is unshakable, regardless of the circumstances we may find ourselves in. And that's the kind of faith that God is looking for. Last week I spoke to you about the faith that is more precious than gold, because it's been tested by fire, and it's been found genuine and true. Amen? God is looking for people who believe God to such an extent where God's Word becomes the final authority in their lives, where they become so unshakable and immovable regardless of the circumstances and regardless of what the devil throws at them. They are immovable. They are established in the faith established in the Word of God. So when you know the will of God in any given area of your life, when you know what God wills for you, and fully understand His will, His plan, His purposes for your life, you are established in your faith in that particular area. You you become immovable. And believe me, The devil will try to move you. He will try to shake you. He will bring circumstances. He will bring words. He will throw his fiery darts in your mind. He will say to you, look at this. Look at the situation. Look what's happening in the world. Look what's happening around you. What's he trying to do? He's trying to shift you from your confidence. Take your eyes off of the Lord and put your eyes on the circumstances. But when you know when you know what God wills for you, when you know His promises, and when you understand the will of God for your life, you become immovable and established in that area of your life. And so, no matter what the devil does in order to convince you, <clears throat> excuse me, in order to persuade you otherwise, you remain unshakable against all and every attack you may experience. Are you still with me? Understanding. Now, <clears throat> let me give you an example. Because I am, I am learning from the challenge that I have been in through lately and, and studying the Word of God and meditating in the Word. And I, if we're fully convinced, now listen carefully, and persuaded, Fully persuaded, like Paul says, I am persuaded and I know in whom I have believed. That God wants you well and healthy in our physical bodies. Why? Because he both stripes so that we may receive, the Bible says, health and healing. No matter what symptoms may show up in your body, we will remain unshakable, immovable, and unafraid why because we know that we know that we know and understand the will of God in this matter you see but what do most of us do when symptoms attack our body we fall for it we accept it we receive it we have no resistance against it why because we have not been established in our faith in that area And therefore, we need the knowledge and the understanding of the Word of God in order to establish ourselves in that given area. Now, in the epistle to the Romans, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write these words concerning Abraham's faith. Now, Abraham reached a place in his walk with God where he was established in God's promise. He was established in his faith. You couldn't shake him, you couldn't move him, no matter what. And listen to what the Scripture says concerning the faith of Abraham. Romans chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. Romans 4, verse 19 and 20. Speaking of Abraham, and not being weak in faith, He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith giving glory to God. Here we see a portrait of an established faith in the promise of God emanating from Abraham. That's why he's called the father of our faith. He was not weak in faith. Notice that. And because he was not weak in faith, he did not consider the physical situation he found himself in, nor the physical condition of his wife. She's 90, he's 99, no one has ever heard of a, of, a, of a woman of 90 years old giving birth. Impossible, humanly impossible. But Abraham still refused to pay attention or, or to, how do I put it, or, or to consider the impossibility of the human body. He says he did not consider the situation. Not consider his own body, neither yet the deadness of Sarah. What did he consider? He considered the promise of God. So shall your seed be as the stars in heaven and as the sand upon the sea. God spoke to him and he anchored his faith in the spoken promise of God and he refused to be shaken. And the Bible says it was counted to him for righteousness. And furthermore, in verse 21, I think it says, and being fully persuaded, hallelujah, I like that word, fully persuaded, fully persuaded, not a trace of doubt or unbelief. And that's where we need to get to, being fully persuaded that God is truth, his word is truth, his promises are truth, and he cannot lie. God cannot lie. When he says, I will look after you, I'll take care of you, I'll provide for you, even to the end of your days, even when your hair goes gray, I will be with you and I will take care of you. We need to believe that because God is faithful to his word. The Bible says "Is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and shall he not do it? Has he spoken and shall he not make it good? If God has spoken, I believe it. And that settles it. And we need to come to that place where we fully fully it that the word of the Lord is truth. Romans says, let, let God be true and every man a liar. I don't care what the symptom says. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the economy says. I'm not in the economy of the world. I'm in the kingdom of God. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God, and God's kingdom has never known lack or recession or sickness or disease. We are world overcomers because of the faith that God has deposited within us. Amen. So here we see in Abraham an established faith in the promises of God. He was not weak in faith. The Bible speaks of many different kinds of faith. Weak faith, strong faith, little faith, shipwreck faith. But we want to be a people of strong faith. What does strong faith do? Praises God in the midst of, a, of, a, of, a, of circumstances that are contradictory. Everything may look bleak and dark around us. We lift our hands and we give praise and glory to God because our trust and faith is in God and not in the world or the systems of this present world. Amen? In other words, because his faith was strong, he did not pay attention to what his, what his body was telling him, what the deadness of Sarah's womb was telling him. He only considered what God said. This is an established folks, in God's Word. The faith that is accompanied by revelation knowledge and spiritual understanding is unshakable. So, what was, fa- what was Paul talking about? He says, I want to come and see you so that I may supply that which is lacking in your faith. Obviously, some of these things were lacking in their faith. That's why he wanted to go and see them face to face, sit them down and teach them and instruct them and equip them so that the faith became productive and fruitful in the kingdom of God. Amen? The third thing, third key, wisdom from God. Now, what is wisdom? This is my definition of wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply the knowledge that you have in any given situation. Knowledge alone is not enough. We need to have the wisdom how to apply the knowledge we receive from the Word of God. And listen to this. Wisdom also gives us a plan of action or a strategy, if you will, through which we obtain the victory are you with me wisdom from god combined with your you see your faith needs tracks to run on like the train needs tracks to run on even so our faith needs the wisdom of god to run on or to be applied how do we apply our faith when i was when i was going through this challenge with my eyes i asked the lord right at the beginning lord What strategy? How do you want me to fight this battle? I know what your word says, but I want to hear from you. How do you want me to apply my faith? Or how do you want me to fight this battle that I'm going through? And lo and behold, when I was in the state of Florida the last last year that I went with Stephen, a lady handed me a book, and I mentioned to you the book, her name is Joan. She went to the Christian bookstore because she was praying for me. Ana Spiros told her that I have this thing with my eyes. So she went to the bookstore. She purchased the book and she said, please give it to Andrea. Now, I could have put this book on the shelf, not even open it. But I began to recognize that that's the strategy that God wants me to use. Not only the doctor and medication, but the strategy or the plan God wants me to to pursue or to use in order to obtain the victory. What did this book do for me? It encouraged, it refreshed my faith. It brought revelation, knowledge, and understanding to a deeper level when it comes to the power of the healing that is in the communion, on the table of the Lord. I saw things in in a new light, and my faith was encouraged, and my faith rose up. And I began to challenge this thing and resist this thing in the name of the Lord because I received revelation knowledge and understanding from God's perspective what this table of the Lord means to discern accurately the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. It's been a tremendous help, and I praise God for it. We need to be sensitive when we pray, asking God to give us a strategy or a plan that we recognize it When he brings it across, we need to be sensitive. Now, our faith, listen carefully now, must have a plan of action every time we engage the enemy. And I tell you why. look at Proverbs chapter 24, verse 6. Very important verse of scripture when it comes to fighting the good fight of faith. Proverbs 24, verse 6, says, For by wise counsel, or wisdom, you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. I want to read that verse again. For by wise counsel you will wage your own war, Believe me, we are in a warfare. And one of the things we desperately need is the wisdom of God, how to overcome. Amen? The schemes of the evil one, the plans of the evil one. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. So don't go to war. Don't rush out there starting to exercise your faith until you obtain wise counsel. Wise counsel or wisdom from God will give you a plan or, or a strategy, if you will, on how to win the battle you're facing. You know, most believers don't have a plan of action about anything. And, you know, if you don't have a plan, you plan to fail. We need to receive the plan of God. God has a plan for everything. God has a plan for your life, for my life. God has a plan for your future. God has a plan for your children. God has a plan for your finances. God has a plan for your health. God has a plan for your relationships. And we need to receive that plan from God. His counsel or His wisdom will give us a plan of action how to win the battle. That's why I say most believers don't have a plan. If I ask them, what's your plan to reduce the debt that you're facing? You have an enormous debt and you're going to pay for 30 years. Do you have a plan how to tackle this debt and to reduce it in 5 years, in 10 years? What's your plan? We just leave things like that. We just take it for granted. I mean, we accept it. Are you with me? I wanted to purchase a car some years ago. But I said to the Lord, I don't want to go to the bank and I don't want to borrow money. I've lived out of debt free of debt all my life. I don't want to go and, and and borrow thousands and thousands to buy a motor vehicle. I want to get it through my faith. What do I do? Give me a plan. And God gave me a plan. He said this is what I want you to do. I did it and I waited patiently for the Lord. And lo and behold, I received the blessing and I went to the dealer and I paid for the car cash. And I drove it out. And that's not, that's not the only one I bought that way. All my cars were bought that way. And I, I, I stood on the principle. The Bible says, Owe no men anything but to love them. I don't want to owe anybody. And I've lived free of debt. Glory to God. I'm not boasting on myself. I'm boasting on what God is doing and has done. Why? Because I followed his plan. And he will do the same for you. He's no respecter of persons. When we wanted to put up a building, I declared before the church, we will not borrow. That's my principle. The Lord said to me, they have enough debt. You don't want to load them with additional debt, borrowing money to put up a building. If God wants a building, he will pay for it. What's the plan, Lord? He gave us the plan. We followed the plan, and the harvest came, and we put up the building. We had to wait longer than usual. But you know what? The Bible says it is through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. So you need to ask God, what's, what's the plan here, Lord? How do I do this? What do you want me to do? You know, that's why I say most believers don't have a plan. They just rush into the battle shouting scriptures, shouting at the devil, begging God to get the devil off of, the, off of their affairs. That doesn't work. If you study the Bible diligently, and I'm sure you are, a, you, you are a student of the Bible, where real battles were fought and won by individuals, you will always notice they had a plan of action. Every single time they had a plan of action. Joshua received a plan of action from the Lord on how to conquer Jericho. Remember that? Now, he could have done so many other things. He could have been overzealous, overambitious, presumptuous, and just attacked Jericho. But he waited on God, and God showed him, without throwing one arrow, how to bring the walls of Jericho down. He said, you walk around the the city wall seven times and on the seventh time, you walk seven times and you blow the trumpet and the walls will come down. And they did. They didn't even have to fight. You remember that? What about Jehoshaphat? He was facing an enormous army against him. Naturally speaking, humanly speaking, he had no No, no might, no, no chance to win the battle. But what did he do? He went to the Lord, he fasted, he prayed, and he said, Lord, we are in your hands. What do you want us to do? God gave him a plan. He said, put your singers in front, not your warriors, your singers. And they sang and praised the Lord. And while they were praising the Lord, the Lord sent his angels and they killed each other and they slaughtered each other between them. He didn't even have to raise a sword. God's plan, folks, always works. Now, don't come up with your own plans and expect God to bless them. Rather, ask God to give you his plan and it will already be blessed. Amen? Let's go on. David had a plan of action before he even faced Goliath. He didn't just go out there without a plan of action. And even so, King Saul tried to persuade him otherwise by giving him his armor or his plan to put it on David. And David refused it. He says, I don't know. It's too heavy for me. I'm not used to this. And he went. How? You see, David knew that he could not get up close to the giant. He had to defeat him from afar. And the plan was a sling and a stone. And that was the plan. And the plan that was used to, that he was exercised in, that was fit for him, and he was comfortable in it. So don't try to copy someone else. You find your own plan, you find your own identity. You find from God, you you receive from the Spirit of God in every given situation, in your your ministry, in your place of work, in your relationships. Get His plan and execute that plan. God had a plan to sustain and preserve the widow from Zarephah and her son from dying of hunger, and at the same time, preserve Elijah as well. What was the plan? The plan was to bring together the prophet and the widow. That was the plan. Elijah shows up at the door of this widow. She's struggling. She has no food, limited water, and he asks for bread. You know, God's plan is so, sometimes so simple, and yet for non-spiritual people is foolishness. You know, most times we reject the plan of God because it doesn't make sense. Logic. But God will tell you things that will blow your mind. All you have to do is just be obedient and follow the plan. This woman has no bread. She's got the last meal. She says to the prophet, I'm going to eat it and then I'm going to die with me and my son. And the prophet said, fear not, me first. That was the plan. What was Elijah doing? He was revealing to her a foundational principle from the Word of God. This is one of the foundational principles in the kingdom of God. God first, not me first, God first. You give me first and then you will eat with your son. Well, (laughs) thank God she followed the plan even in the midst of a severe, even if it didn't make sense. So be very, be very sensitive. When God tells you to do something, he knows the end from the beginning. It may not make sense because the Bible says that he chooses the weak things and the things which are nothing in order to confound and bring to naught the things that are mighty. He uses things that are despised by this world where this world thinks, oh, that's foolishness, man. You mean to tell me that I must give 10% of my income every month to God or to the church or whatever, and that's going to prosper me and that's going to bless me? It doesn't make any sense. If I can't make ends meet with 100%, how am I going to make ends meet with 90%? It's foolishness. Well, follow your own plan and see what happens. And I've seen the result of many. I don't want to be found in that place. I believe God. God's plan always works, folks. You need to get that through your head and in your heart. Thank God this woman followed the plan. The plan paid off because it was a plan from God founded on one of the foundational principles in the kingdom of God. That's why I say that people who have no plan, they plan to fail. And God has a plan for everything In our lives. He cares about every little detail and He wants us to imitate Him. God had a plan from the beginning of time to save humanity, to restore to mankind all that was lost in the Garden of Eden through the fall of Adam. What was God's plan? God's plan was Jesus. What was the strategy that he used? The strategy was the cross. In the fullness of time, the plan was executed with wisdom and with precision. And the devil had no clue what was going on. Ah, I laugh at him. I I tell you, he only found out later what he did, but it was too late, the Bible says. He stripped the principalities and powers of all authority and power. He took from them the keys of death, hell, and the grave. How? Through the secret plan. And the secret plan of God, the Bible says, was a mystery that was hidden from the prince of darkness. The Bible says none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now listen to me, family of God. God has a unique and a specific plan for your life, for your future, for every circumstance, every situation in our lives. And the only source of information we have to obtain it from is from the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Are you with me? Years back, when the desire and the passion rose up in my heart to evangelize the Greek community and the communities of Zimbabwe and outside of Zimbabwe, in fact, the Greek nation, worldwide. This desire was burning and I went to prayer every single day, many times with fasting and with tears. God gave me a plan. He said, I want you to put all your teachings in Greek on cassette tapes, those days we had cassette tapes and I want you to send them out free of charge, don't charge anybody for anything, print out a magazine, call the preacher send it out, whoever asks for them and I tell you thousands upon thousands of teaching tapes went out even unto monasteries, priests, bishops sure I received a lot of persecution out of that But many people were saved, many were healed, many had come to the knowledge of the truth. Where did I get that plan from? I was reading the scriptures one day in prayer, and Psalm 107 verse 20 just struck my heart. And this is what it said. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. It's the word that does the work. Amen. Later on, God gave me an opportunity. I went on television in in Greece. Many, many heard the gospel of repentance and faith. God had a plan. And I got it from him. So thank God for the gift of his spirit, folks. He didn't leave us orphans. He didn't leave us alone. He didn't leave us without any help. He said, I will send you another helper. He will be in you. Thank God. For the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in 1st Corinthians chapter 2 verse 12 the but we have not received the Spirit of the world but the Spirit who is from God. Why? That we might know know. Know what? Know the mind of God. Know the will of God. Know the plan of God. Know God don't want us to be ignorant. He wants us to know. That's why he sent his Spirit, because the Spirit knows the mind of God, knows the will of God, knows the plan for every situation. And so I ask you, what is your plan of action regarding the the battle or the trial you're facing? Do you have a plan? Have you got it from God? What did he say? It could be insufficient provision. It could be an enormous amount of debt. What's your plan to get out of debt? It could be need to lose the extra weight that you gain. What's the plan? What about the plan in overcoming strife, in overcoming worry, in overcoming your insecurities, habits which seem to hold on to you and not letting you go? Do you have a plan? What about important relationships? which have been damaged through one reason or another. That includes marriage, that includes siblings. What's the plan? If you fervently and diligently seek God, He'll give you a plan. Amen. Whatever battle you're facing, ask the Spirit to give you wisdom from God on how to overcome because you have an overcoming faith living on the inside of you. And I believe through wisdom you will obtain a strategy by which you wage your own war against your adversaries and overcome So when we know the plan, we can cooperate with him in the Spirit and obtain the victory every time. If you watch Jesus when he ministered healing to the sick, He never ministered the same way uh, to everyone. Each one, he was unique. Each case was unique, and he used a different plan or a different strategy. To the lepers, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. They did. They followed the plan, and they were healed. To the blind man, he put mud on his eye, and he said, go wash in the pool. He did, and he came back see to the other he said take take up your bed and walk and he did you see he had a plan and the people who received the blessing followed the plan they were obedient that's why the bible says let's not just be hearers of the word but doers us. he used a different strategy for different people because he knew the mind of god and he desires for us to walk the same way to know him intimately and that we would know what He wants or how He wants things done. You can't just come up, as I said, with your own plan and expect Him to bless it. Find out what He wants, and it will already be blessed. And now, these keys, combined with our faith, is the secret of a fruitful ministry, of a productive life, of an overcoming life, in whichever field, God places us in don't rush out there trying things we never try we do them why because we know get the plan and that's what God wants us to add to our faith so paul when he wrote to them he says i want to come and uh, and and supply that which is lacking in your faith did you get something out of this teaching today Praise God. Well, get to work. Knowledge, understanding and wisdom. Talk to God about everything. Talk to the Spirit. Lord, how do you want me to deal with this situation? I recall some years ago, I ah, never mind, I'm not time is already up, so I'm not going to go into it. Let's pray and conclude the session. Father, thank you so much for your precious word, for the revelation of your word. For your spirit that leads and guides and opens up the word of life and feeds us and imparts to us the things that our faith is lacking, Lord. Bringing us to a place where our faith is perfected, is matured, is accomplished, so that we may become immovable, unshakable, trusting you, trusting your promises, executing your plan in our everyday lives. Grant us, Lord, I pray, your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Fill us with spiritual understanding so that we may walk worthy of the call you placed upon our lives and that we may please you in all things and so that we may bring forth much fruit to the glory of God. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.